Hey everyone, Nathan Hayes for the Focal Point Podcast, and uh, this week I want to share some thoughts on young OD students hiring them out of school where they are, um, where they are, uh, just mentally, emotionally, aspirationally, with um, their view of optometry and the profession and what they're getting into. So, a um, little backstory on what um, what I've been up to of late. Um, I've got a new uh, responsibility role opportunity within IDOC and how we are serving optometry and that I'm going um, and sponsoring private practice clubs around the country, getting in front of students, talking about ownership. Some of this is um, a response to what we're seeing with private equity rolling out practices, what we're hearing from many of you, that you're having trouble finding buyers, you're concerned about the future. Well, so are they. And so we're getting in front of them and letting them know that, hey, private practice ownership is um, a great way to practice optometry. It's a great opportunity for you. You can afford a practice. You can succeed. I think it's a message they need to hear. So I uh, had the opportunity last week. I was at New England College of Optometry. They hosted a summit for uh, industry partners talking about um, how they can continue to evolve the curriculum and education for the students and uh, prepare students for the optometry of tomorrow, as Dr. Howard Purcell, who's the head of the school, put it. Um, great chance to be there, get, get uh, you know, everyone from um, the contact lens manufacturers to equipment manufacturers to employers ranging from IDOC was there with me, uh, representatives from Vision Source, from Acuity, Eye Care, from um, NVI and uh, Walmart and um, just a number of employers are looking at, at young students coming out. And we're not really employers per se, I mean, they're a Vision Source, but our members are hiring young doctors, and so we wanted to have a voice there. And, and a couple of things that, that we heard from students that, that I want to share with you and then kind of transition that into a discussion of um, you know, what, what you can do to both attract students to your practices as you're recruiting if you want new grads coming to your offices. Um, and, and finally, some thoughts on, on managing new students and just prepping the space for young ODs to want to come into ownership. And I think that there's some advocacy work that we all need to be doing um, on that front. So first off, where, where are students right now? Um, we, we had a panel of students, had a chance to talk to a lot of students, and I think that, that you know, a couple of things you need to know. One, um, I think they are very well-trained clinically and are gonna be very competent to understand ocular anatomy, pathology, caring for eyes, all of that, very, very well trained. Uh, something that I suspected going in and um, was confirmed to me is that, you know, they're not business savvy and I kind of pressed some of my peers there to say, you know, everyone's saying we want new grads to have more business acumen. What do I mean? What do we mean by that? I had a very specific view myself and I think a lot of it, I'll boil it down this way. A new grad from Thomas School basically has no clue what the link is between their activity as a clinician, as a doctor, and the practice that they work in or themselves getting paid by the patient or by a third-party payer. Um, the students just, there's no connecting the dots to what are the most um, remunerative activities in terms of getting paid, and even just kind of, I mean, they know effectively, but but they really don't, and there's not a lot of talking about benchmarks from a capture rate, prescribing habits, multiple pairs. Um, not a lot of, um, you know, most of the coding stuff they get is more about don't overcode and go to jail, I think is their 
their impression. So, you know, they don't really know the link between what they do and how they get paid, or how, how their employer gets paid at the very least. Um, a couple other things to know, you know, they, they do care a lot about making a difference. I mean, they are in it, um, they have a strong sense of vocation, which I think is a good thing for your practices. I mean, they do, at least, I mean, again, young, ideological, 26-year-old says the 20, the 37-year-old, but uh, they do care about making a difference. Um, they are confused about where the industry is going. Um, and and for, for as much as they take this on as vocation, they are very, very concerned about their student loans, and it does affect their decision-making with you coming out of school. Um, for us, I think it's worth noting that um, they do like the idea of private practice optometry and practicing full scope. They do notionally are, are at least interested, now we'll see how many of them carry it through, but they're interested in opportunities to own a practice and have that kind of control to do it their way. But you know, that, you know, from a new grad standpoint, they're in no way prepared to step into ownership right away. There are some that are gonna take the lead and they will learn very quickly and probably do very well for their courage. Um, but, but most of them recognize that there's gonna be some seasoning that needs to happen first. Um, a couple things to, to take away from that on, on recruiting associates. Um, one, um, make sure to sell the care that, that's being done in your practice. You are, you know, when you are recruiting, you are selling your practice to someone to come work for you. Even if there's not a path to ownership on the table, if there's only no path to ownership, um, sell them on the care and the culture. It's going to matter a lot. They, they do want to enjoy the practice of optometry. Um, they are going to prioritize flexibility. So, so kind of know what you're, where you can give on flexibility in terms of time and workload and, and where you really need them. And just be clear about that on the front end. Uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world to give them more vacation. It just means that you need to be really thoughtful about, about what you, what you, um, you know, how you manage their production when they're in the office. Um, I think that if you're in a rural setting, this was something I floated, I think that, that students definitely don't know. And so I think, you know, if you're in a recruiting in a rural area, you should go to the schools and let them know um, that we are willing to pay more to attract students to our area, period, full stop. I think students assume that cities get paid more. I think this was a, you know, just feedback from the college even that, you know, they were under the impression that you get paid more to stay in the city. Well, that's not at all true. And, you know, this cost of living is higher in Boston. And because a ton of optometrists stay there, there's actually lower wages because it's simply a supply and demand curve. And I and other employers in the room simply said, look, you know, you, if your students are willing to go to the country, they can get paid more. Um, you know, multiple people said, hey, we'll start contributing to student loans as a retention bonus for as long as they stay in a rural setting and pay them well. And I, that's where I would come to you as well. If you're in a rural setting, you should consider because it's, it's just, um, it's on the students' minds as part of their comp package. What if you offered 500,000 a month paid straight to their student loans as part of their benefits? There's some ophthalmology groups doing this now. There's some chains doing this now. Um, my dad, Dr. Jerry Hayes always said, you know, look, I, we all know what optometrists need and we do. He said, I want to figure out what they want and give them that. So if you're trying to figure out what students want, they want help with their student loans. It's what's burdensome to them. And I think that, that you can build part of their package, um, pitch the lower cost of living, pitch the fact that that, along with a maybe even above market salary for national norms, can make it easier to pay down the loans sooner. 
um, and even consider contributing some to that, it will make your practice more attractive and make you, and go and let the schools know if you're recruiting out of a particular school, I'm willing to do this as part of my package, do you have any students willing to come? So, and, and they can help you with that because I think they, they, they are worried about their students' student loan debt as well and, and would do that. So consider that on, on, on that front. Um, I think those, those are the big ones. Be flexible, be reasonable, and, and have reasonable expectations for the students and offer them a, a, you know, a path to learn how to be an OD. So I heard a joke after going to court once that from a lawyer friend that the first year of practicing law is malpractice. I won't go so far as to say that about optometry, but it does stand to reason that there's a learning curve going from a classroom setting, even some clinic time, even from externships to being the person by yourself in a lane with no one else looking over your shoulder where you have to own your decisions. So be patient with new grads and have have that. I think the biggest thing that I'm telling ODs, and I'm telling this in all sorts of contexts right now, but I'll say it here, um, practice owners. If you have a new grad, if you have an associate of any age or stripe, you, you cannot assume that they're going to understand how to be a productive OD. Owners understand how they get paid because it's the only way they get paid. If the practice doesn't generate revenue based on their patient care, the practice doesn't generate profit over and above its expenses, the owner doesn't get paid. So owners are intimately and painfully and acutely aware of how they get paid and how their patient care translates to revenues and profits of the practice. Your associates are probably getting paid a straight wage, maybe a percentage, but you know, even if they go into a corporate context, there's gonna be a lot of stuff around them to just get it done for them in terms of managing receivables and billing and, and you know, some of the, the more retail corporate people said, we don't even want the doctors talking about eyewear. We'll take care of that. Our brand drives eyewear sales. Well, in a private practice setting, the doctor drives eyewear sales. And so you need to be talking to your associates about this. And this is what I recommend um, for all practices. So here's Nathan's uh, set aside how to manage an associate doctor. One man's opinion. Talk to my colleague, Steve Vargo, Amy Alvarez as well. Steve's an OD, so he'll have his own opinion. But just from a pure ideas for managing your associates. Um, number one, you need to teach them how revenue is generated. This is how I would suggest you do it. You have a monthly lunch and it's a clinician's lunch. And I do encourage you based on the students' values. Um, the students do not care about you making a ton of money. They are worried about their student loan debt, but even they at the moment probably don't care about making $350,000 a year. But So bring everything back to care because care is the input and revenue is the output in these discussions, have a monthly lunch to, to just have a clinician's lunch discussion, discussing the, the standard of care cases that have come up. At this lunch, you're going to pull ahead of time every doctor in the practice, owner or associate or partner, whomever's, everyone's revenue generation for the past month, um, the patient volume that they saw, and just have ready their revenue per comprehensive exam. Um, and bear in mind their, their, their patient load, and you're going to pull five charts each at random. And the expectation is, and the goal of these lunches is to establish a, a consistent standard of care for the practice. It's to establish a consistent standard of care. And, and the output of a, a consistent standard of care is going to be, the benchmark is going to be that every doctor seeing a reasonably comparable patient base is going to have the same revenue per exam. So my, my premise on doctor productivity is that once the system's been proven with one doctor, Every doctor should be able to generate the same revenue in the practice, seeing the same load of patients, the same mix of patients. But revenue per exam is the output. 
for how well doctors are prescribing and, and giving comprehensive eye care to their patients. And, and generally speaking, owners are going to be above their associates, I don't know, 50% higher to 20% higher, and, and you want to constantly narrow that gap. But, but what are the inputs to revenue per exam? It's prescribing habits. So you're pre prescribing multiple pairs, you're prescribing annual supplies. Are you looking for and treating medical um, issues on the eyes and dry eye? Um, your associates aren't necessarily gonna know to look for that. They're certainly not gonna look for it the way you want them to until you actually measure them on it. And so we're gonna look at the numbers. The output's gonna be there. That's the objective data. And then we're gonna go in and see what's happening. And so you're gonna review their charts, they're gonna review yours. It's about a consistent standard of care. So everyone's gonna be asking one another. So why did you prescribe that? Why didn't you prescribe that? And then also with, with charts, be asking them, why did you code that way? Why didn't you code that way? Why did you document that much? Why didn't you document enough? And, and just teach them the, 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 the art of how to be an OD, an effective OD, managing your time well. You know, the documentation is important in, in a claim, but it's not, you know, you only need enough to get paid and to document what was done. And, and you don't get paid extra for over-documenting. You don't get, um, you know, they need to know that they can code appropriately. That we don't want people overcoding, but we certainly don't want them undercoding either. The worker is worth his wage. So give yourself regular, at a regular cadence, I recommend monthly time to review, teach, cross review, discuss, collaborate, and just map the path and show them how to be productive ODs. I think it's critically important. Certainly for a new grad, they're going to need it. Um, even for experienced ODs coming into your practice, uh, there may be some untraining, there may be just some nuances of how you want patients cared for in your practice that are different. And so give yourself the chance to collaborate as a team, as a clinical team. And again, if you have multiple sites and multiple doctors, maybe this is multiple lunches, but um, we wanna have a consistency across all locations. Because, and one of the things owners to keep in mind is that if you aren't, if, if your associate's generating 50% less per exam than you are, it's going to be hard for you to get the free time you want because you're going to be reticent. You're not going to be willing to hand off patients to that associate doctor um, because you're going to feel like you're giving up money every time you do. So keep that in mind. Manage their production well. Um, on comp, by the way, uh, just, just what I'm hearing from multiple schools I've been visiting... Uh, starting wages for an associate in a private practice setting are, are about 110000 a year for full-time, um, plus or minus. Um, I, do not be surprised, I uh, had this call today, if you hear uh, associates are getting offered 135000 140000 out of school in a more corporate setting or ophthalmology. It is happening. Um, debates are out there whether we have um, you know, a shortage or oversupply of ODs. I think the economic data suggests a bit of a shortage. At the very least, we have a massive misallocation of ODs. They are favoring the cities, young ODs, over rural optometry. And, um, you know, that, that's an issue. And, and so I think that's where comp, you know, supply and demand governs here, not cost of living, by and large. And so um, if you're in a rural setting, you're probably looking to pay more to attract someone. And by the way, in a rural setting, you, you, many of you have just, you've got three-month backlogs. You're desperate for an OD. You know, if you pay 140 for a new grad and they can produce it all and bring down your backlog, they're going to pay for themselves. 
So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, be reasonable, but I think that it's worth paying to get someone out there, um, even if it means paying 10000 more a year just to get a candidate. And I know some of you have been offering anything. You'd give them your store, your, your practice, if they'd come to your town, and, and so be it. But consider, consider some of these things. Let me speak a little bit to, and in, in, uh, in a last little bit, on a path to ownership, uh, Young Indy's appetite for ownership, and how we can respond. Um, I think that, so it's interesting, an interesting thing that came out of our, our meetings was the uh, more retail and corporate type optometrists felt like the schools were pushing private practice, practice management instructor, at least at NECO, but at other schools too, felt like the schools were probably implicitly, not explicitly, pushing corporate optometry and and the the take of the practice manager instructor I was working with was uh talking to recently one of them at least was very simply that uh no one thinks a young OD can survive in private practice that that they're all dying no one's making any money and it's just that they're going to need to practice corporate because the only way they're actually going to make a living I think that that as a profession and I can point to certain massive Facebook groups we're doing ourselves a huge disservice by how we talk about the profession, the experience, um, to, to read our internal debates and dialogues. You think that private optometry is doomed, uh, far from it in my view. And I think that it behooves us to, to put a happier face on things that private practice ownership is a disaster where you're never going to reimburse and you can't compete with large competitors. And that's not the case. Um, I will admit that as a consultant with an IDOC, you know, we see the practices that um, know they want to improve and are looking for help. By the way, if you're wondering if you're stuck, maybe you should ask for some help and see if we can help you get unstuck. Um, but I see too many practices thriving and growing explosively. I see young ODs all the time. In fact, the vast majority of doctors under 40 that I work with that are taking an over practice are driving it forward incredibly quickly. Um, I mean, frankly, even some of these that, that maybe I feel like are succeeding in spite of themselves, they're still succeeding. Um, the profession is fine. Young ODs do fine. I see three big misunderstandings and sort of the transition from older owners to younger ODs stepping into ownership. And, and, and they're very simply that no one seems to be aware that the money is there to buy practices and student loan debt does not affect that. And I think you should be optimistic about students' opportunity to own. If, if you want to start transitioning sooner, encourage them to take those steps. We can work with you on whether you're ready, whether they're ready, what's a, what's a reasonable structure for, the, for buy-in or buy-out. But do not let your assumptions on your end or their end about their ability at financing to buy your practices come in line. The money is there. The banks do not care about student loans. The banks don't care about student loans. Because the reality is, let's say a student with or a new grad, three four years out, that still has a hundred thousand outstanding in student loan debt that they're paying back. Um, let's say they buy a practice. Well, as an owner, net of their payments, they're probably going to see their income go up twenty five, fifty, a hundred percent. You know, the student loan debt stays the same, but their ability to pay it off just got that much better because they're making more money for being an owner. Practices are still worth more as a source of income than they are for their equity value. And things students don't have any clue about is just how much profit's slowing through your businesses. And I understand wanting to keep that private owners, but you know, don't make out like you're not making money with a young doctor who might be interested in your practice or with any young doctors you're talking to about the opportunities to own. Um, you know, average wages for a, a, a 
employed OD right now about $130,000, $140,000 for full-time, maybe a little less, maybe a little more in some cases. Average owner wage is like $215,000 a year. It's at least one ninety for independent contractors, and in group practice, it's more like two fifty, two sixty. Um, owners do make more money, and it would make it easier to pay off student loan debt if students were willing to take the take the leap, and the banks will lend for it. Um, the other misunderstanding I see is just owners th that I talk to often feel like these young doctors don't have a clue on how to manage a practice, and the reality is, and I say this a little tongue in cheek. None of y'all have a clue how to run your practice. And those of you who are thriving right now in ownership, you didn't have a clue when you took over either. And you're doing fine. You're doing really well. Um, your practices aren't that difficult to manage. And a young OD often brings new skills and new energy to a practice that is a boon to it, not, not a hindrance. I have, I have yet to see a young OD take over an established practice and just run it into the ground. I see some older ODs have a midlife crisis and try it. Um, but, but, you know, the default rate on optometry loans is less than 1%. Young ODs, old ODs, most of you are doing just fine at running your practices. You may not be as successful as you could be. You might not be my eye doctor successful or lens crafter successful. Well, that's okay. Um, as a small business that gives you control of your time, um, most of you are doing just fine. And we need to share that with students. We need to, to, to talk about the benefits of being able to um, have control of our time and our schedule, the people we work with. A work environment. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, third parties are pain, and there's a lot of stress. But I mean, yeah, many, if not most, of you are getting paid for that stress more than you would have made working for someone else. You're getting paid in terms of control of your time and the people you work with. You're getting to innovate the profession in exciting ways with different therapies and and um, treatment options and product developments. So let's let's talk better about um, the profession as a whole. Um, let's talk better about private practice ownership and the benefits. Let's share our excitement in innovating the profession. Um, you know, if, if you want exit plans for your practices, if you want exits to be available, you cannot spend decades telling young ODs how terrible ownership is and that no one's going to succeed going forward and then expect them to turn around and buy your practices. It's not going to happen. And, and consider getting involved in, 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 on campus and teaching some and getting in front of faculty and letting them know, hey, yeah, I own my practice, I'm doing great. Um, let them know. Let them know. So those are just some thoughts on, on where I am with young ODs. Um, you've got to meet people where they are, just in closing. So recognize that your young ODs, they want to make a difference. And you know they may not care that much about the link between making a difference and you getting paid or making money off their time. Um, but I think you can, you can draw the link between them and just, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say, listen, there is no way you're going to work young doctor where your production doesn't matter. Um, you might be in a sublease situation where you just keep your professional fees. Your production is going to matter at that point and how you bill and code and get paid. Um, you may work in an ophthalmology or work for, uh, uh, you know, a, a whole, you know, be an employee of a corporate chain. They're going to care about your prescribing habits and your patient flow and your production. Ophthalmology is going to care about it. There's no job you're going to have where your production doesn't matter. So it's not like you get to go to private practice and not have anyone care because this is where we practice full scope care. Um, production matters and it's the output of care. And, and it's, it's fair to say giving full scope care should lead to higher revenue per exam. I think it's very appropriate. And then model it. Let them see your revenue per exam. Show them your charts. Show them how you're caring for practices. Model how you want them to take care of patients. It's good for their career and it's going to be good for your practice too. Um, and your sanity at that. Um, and finally, you know, 
But promote the benefits of ownership, even if you're not looking to sell, even if it means your associate jumps ship. Um, you know, it's it's better for the profession as a whole to have a bunch of ambitious young private practice owners who are giving a lot of patients good good experiences. That so when people move, when they talk to their family and friends, they talk about their local optometrist, their family optometrist, their private practice, and how how much better that experience is than going to a big box or corporate competitor. Um, so that's that. I want you to. Hear the, um, the state of play in our space. And we're working on it. And uh, those are some thoughts from, from my time in the field. So thanks so much. This has been the Focal Point Podcast. I'm Nathan Hayes. And as always, if you have questions on applying this to your practices, you know where to find us. Go through your practice development manager or contact me directly. Thanks so much.